0: Momentum Volleyball is the online Canadian hub for volleyball storytelling, reporting, and event coverage, allowing content creators to connect with fans, coaches, and players. Momentum is the hub for athletes, coaches, and fans to find free and paid volleyball content. And we are proud to be the voice of Canadian volleyball around the world. Head to momentumvolleyball.ca to subscribe for free and get access to exclusive content and all your Canadian volleyball updates. Hello, everybody. Welcome to or welcome back another episode of Passing Times. Really excited for today's guest. He grew up playing for the Barry Elites. He's got a silver with the Eastview Powerhouse, which is a high school in the Bay Area. He's played for Team O. He's won a Canada Games gold medal. He's been a member of FTC. He's played for Brock U. And maybe the most important accolade that he's probably not even aware of, he was Garrett May's Player of the Week last year on Sharp Cuts. So please welcome to the show, Logan House. Logan, thanks for doing this, man. Thanks for
1: having me, man.
0: Now I will say Garrett gave you player of the week, not only because of your wicked stat line with like over 20 kills and all that stuff, but he thought you were rocking a handlebar mustache. And I think that was an old photo that might disappoint him now that he knows.
1: Yeah. That was uh that was from November. Yeah. That was <laughs> our, our team every year does like the, the fundraiser that most things do and not to my girlfriend's satisfaction. I decided <laughs> that was the, was the way to go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every November, I think I'm going to be single, but not yet. I've survived everyone so far. So Well, sweet man. Tell me about growing up in that Barry area. Cause I understand you're not from Barry. I think you're from Oro. Is that not where Simic grew up and some other volleyball guys? Like I think it's, it's, there's some volleyball guys in that area, but just tell me about growing up in in your area and what other sports you were playing before you played volleyball.
1: Yeah. I I can't speak on the other people growing up. I think somebody was from like Aurelia, which is a little bit North of me, but um, yeah, I, uh, so growing up, I was always hockey and uh, basketball uh barry's a pretty big hockey town so all of my friends we were all hockey growing up and then i could not tell you what made me switch to volleyball just i think grade seven elementary school volleyball i was like oh this sport's actually fun so i made the switch over to uh that but uh yeah no just a lot of hockey it's pretty cold up there. So like winters, we're just always out on the outdoor rinks going to play shimmy, all that kind of stuff. So it was pretty much hockey every day growing up.
0: (laughs) Nice. Nice. And I'm glad you said grade seven, but I am interested grade nine. When you go to a school like Eastview, like volleyball is pretty popular there and they're very competitive, obviously. Like you have an offset medal to speak for it. So did that help going to a school where you were going to get pretty good coaching? There was going to be other volleyball guys around. Like, did you start taking it seriously at Eastview?
1: It, It was, I, To be completely honest, I was really bad. (laughs) Like, uh, grade 8, grade 9, grade 10, I was pretty bad. Like, nobody even knew who I was. Like, I was just kind of a random kid on the very elites team. Um, But uh, I played with, like, Dylan Devachery at Eastview, who was at the time, like, a pretty big guy in the OPA. So, like, playing with guys like him, kind of pushed me to become a better player. But uh, I was actually setting in grade 9 and 10 for uh or yeah grade nine and ten i was setting for eastview and then uh our rep team we ran a six two with uh our setter who went to uh, Guelph well, for a year
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. Cause that what's going to be one of my questions and it's not a slight on Barry. It just seems to be a comment in Ontario where guys will stay at their local club for as long as possible, but then they tend to make super clubs. But in doing some research for the show, I think you were a Barry elites guy the whole way through. Like, did you ever consider talking to your parents or, or driving to a different club and kind of amalgamating or what made you stay with the elites your whole career?
1: One, like I'm 20 minutes North of Barry. So like driving into practice to Barry was a twenty-five minute drive for me, anyways. Um, so, my 18 a year, I was actually planning on going to Storm, but uh, I don't know if you know who like uh, Liam Ludlow is. He, uh, he's one. He's the right side for Nipissing. Um, so he decided he was going to do a, uh, a victory lap at school. So he was going to play for our very elites team, and then uh, Dave Gross is obviously like a, an amazing coach. So I was fortunate to have him. Uh, so there was there was just no real need. For me, to, for me to go to another team. Because the only reason I was considering Storm was that I could get up in that Premier Division and be competing against the best players my age. Uh But then once Leon told me that he was going to stay, I was like, oh, like we're actually going to have a solid team and we should be in Premier. And I think we were fifth, fifth or something like that the entire year up until eventually we sort of just fell apart. But that was a long time ago. <laughs> another story.
0: <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, that, that's awesome to hear, man. So... With you, in your own words, like you were a setter and you're kind of just like a guy on your team, like when did you feel like it clicked? Because you made Team Ontario and then you made the Team Ontario group that was going to be selected for Canada Games. So like it must have happened pretty fast in a couple of years there that you went from being like, I I like volleyball and it's fun to be like, man, like I could be really good at this because to make that Canada Games team, I was looking at the names, man, that was a solid squad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was, that team was just a bunch of freak athletes, like (laughs) like like Xander and Cole and just some unbelievable players. But, uh, so I was, I made seven, my 17 year, I made Timo as an alternate. Um, and then bittersweet, uh, one of the middles who was on the team, him and I went up walking together and he landed on my foot, broke his ankle and was out. And then I got the call up to travel with the team to Florida. So, uh, we can, we'll, uh, we can say maybe a little bit of collusion, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Um, so then, after that, I just started playing better and better, and just my my improvement was just so much faster than anything I'd ever seen. And then eighteen U was just the same thing. We we were up in premier competing with teams like Pac Man, and then trying to find ways to to score when you're being keyed on as intently as I was. Just kind of one made you feel bad because I got blocked a lot and made a lot of errors. But <laughs> The, how fast I also improved and learned how to, like, do different shots and how to score when it was a form double block, form triple block all the time, right? So that was the biggest thing for me was kind of learning how to score off that where it seems like Pac-Man, you know, you have Andrew talking on the right and Cole uh, Ketrusinski on the left, and you're like, oh, okay, well, uh, good luck middle. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to go leave and hope for the best here, but
0: yeah. Nice. Nice. And tell me about the, the Florida HP tournament, because, uh, You might not remember, but a a little bit before your time, Ontario used to go to Canada Cup and all the provinces would go there. And there was one year they made the tough decision that they were actually going to send them to the U.S. uh, high-performance tournament. And it was a bit of like a, oh, what's going on there? But as soon as teams got there and realized that there was really good U.S. club teams, but there was also like regional all-star teams. And then other countries started sending like their provincial teams or or teams like that. So what did you think of the level there? Because you were playing tier one here and obviously would have played uh, Canada Nationals. But to see different teams there, what was the kind of the feeling in the mood around playing against different players from like i said some club teams with some stacked regional teams and some like all-state yeah. teams even
1: so i the year before i made team o, they were doing the canada cup stuff um and then when i made we went to florida um it was it was it was pretty cool like we had uh, we played against i don't think we played them but a, a team from new zealand was there and you know before their game they would do like the hawk <laughs> and everyone would crowd their court and watch and it was cool but then there there was teams like uh north california it was it was ridiculous watching these guys play. I was sitting there. I'm like sixteen years old and seventeen, you, thinking you know that you're the guy because you made Timo and, and then all of a sudden you look at these 6, 10, 230 hundred thirty pound guys just going out and bouncing every ball straight down. You're like, oh my goodness, like I am not that good at volleyball. <laughs> but uh, it was cool. Like we watched so many uh, amazing teams play, and you kind of then you get in and you play them, and you're like, oh okay, I can actually. I can actually get in here and compete and find new ways of scoring. So it was kind of cool to be put in your place and be like, okay, you're, you're not all that because you made your provincial team. Like there's guys who are, like you said, on a club team who are just as good, if not better than you. And they're not even representing their state.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So,
1: uh, and- no, it was, it was a lot of fun. We 17 year, I don't think we did too well, but my 18 year we actually won it. Um, which was unreal. I think we played South, South California in the finals to win the, win the tournament. So that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and that was a lead into Canada Games, right? And how did you feel about Canada Games? Because I think I think people my age and the coaches, we get hyped up for Canada Games because there was quite a big drought for Ontario to win a medal. I'm wondering, as an athlete, were you aware of that? Did you feel it? Like, because some of the names older than you, like, you might not remember that, like, oh, it, it was heartbreaking for, like, Eric Matson's ear to lose in the final. It's kind of like, you might not even know Eric, right? So, but, like, as coaches, we're like, oh, like, we we always seem to run into this team or this guy, and they could tell stories for days, but as an athlete, did you sense that, or did you just feel like it was going to be a cool experience? It's a mall multi- sport event like uh, volleyball is a big marquee event there there's going to be fans like did you sense excitement pressure and legacy anything like that with canada games
1: all, all of the above for sure <laughs> um matt Matt and nathan and uh and lamb were, were our coaches and they they definitely felt the pressure of like you know the last i forget i forget how many years it had been since they won it but you know like they were definitely feeling the pressure of you know no team has won it blah 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 and, and then I think that kind of translated into the guys all feeling it as well. But, um, I think more than anything, everyone was just like ecstatic to be there and having the chance. And like you said, the, the guys who were on the team were just lights out volleyball players. Um, so I know it, we, we took it pretty seriously. Like at first I remember, uh, <laughs> Ian, Ian, I think it was Ian and he was saying something about like, you know, like stay focused on with the. The girls team distract you, blah, blah, blah. And we're all a bunch of 17-year-old boys who were like, oh, but there's girls here. Like, come on, man. But as soon as he said that, I think every single guy on our team, like, we would see the, the woman's team in the hallway at Nipissing at a training camp, and we would just ignore them. They'd be like, oh, like, hey, so-and-so. And you'd look at them, you head down and walk. You're like, no chance I'm letting Ian catch me talking to the woman's team. And then... The, the funny part is that the woman went to their head coach. Um, I think Eddie's his name, the Waterloo coach. And they complained about it. They're like, Hey, like the guys won't talk to us. So he went to our coaches and they had a big meeting with us. They're, and I remember they'd messaged us. They're like, uh, we need to have a meeting right now. Like some stuff has come up with the girls. And we're like, Oh my God, who was talking to them? <laughs> like, guys, we, we know we're not allowed to talk to them. So we go and we sit down and he like, so who who is talk to the girls? No one puts their hand up like, no, no, like we, we promise we haven't yet. We haven't. Like, you guys can hang out with them. Like, <laughs> enjoy your time here. You both have like the, all this stuff in common, like enjoy your time. Just focus on volleyball when the time comes to volleyball. And when you're off, go do whatever, like we don't care. But, uh, yeah, up until that point, it was just like, everyone was just all about business. No, no female distractions, just volleyball, volleyball, <laughs> volleyball. So it was pretty funny, but yeah, no, we definitely felt the pressure at first. And then it was like a, a weight off once we realized that we were allowed to have a life in the summer.
0: Yeah. For any of our listeners who don't fully understand, like, Yes, it was serious and it's volleyball, but at Nipissing, you would wake up, eat breakfast and you'd have a session and then you'd have like lunch and you'd have like the afternoon and then you'd have a session like you were at a campus where there was no other students. You were so far away from like the city center that you were just on campus. So imagining a bunch of 17 year boys not allowed to interact with the with the other volleyball players, the the women on campus too, like it, it must have been pretty like harder than you're making it seem. So it's just funny that Ian's like, no, no, you can talk to them because for our listeners be like, yeah, you guys should focus on volleyball. That must have been so painful for some of your teammates.
1: I think some more than others. There was definitely <laughs> some of us social butterflies who were like, Oh, like I wanna go talk to anyone I can because I'm tired of uh, I think I was rooming with uh Cole Ketchazinski, so I was like, poor Cole's just tired of me just harassing him twenty four seven. I was like, so, like I need to go talk to someone else. And it was like, Oh girls, nope, run the other way. <laughs> no, it was pretty funny. I know uh I know Ian and Matt and them made uh, jokes for it for uh for a few months after the fact.
0: Nice. And, and with the coaching staff, you mentioned uh, what was the game prep like? Because with Matt and Ian and Lamb and Nathan Jansen there, especially like I imagine not just like your your club team or your high school program, but I imagine that's more data than you would have had access to with Jansen as like the the. Uh I was going to say volleyball metrics for a second data volley guy uh, in the country right now. So with that information, was that a little bit overwhelming or were you guys able to get on board with it? Or did he maybe kind of simplify and then ramp it up as the tournament went because that guy can find and go down the rabbit hole on any stat you want. Right. So what was he providing for the game plan that you guys could really like adapt to and apply on the court?
1: Yeah. Him and him and lamb were monsters on that program. I don't, I still to this day don't understand how any of it works, but um, I know like they would, they would tell us like Nathan and lamb would be up coding until all hours of the night, put together like an insane amount of film and stats and whatever on the next team we're playing. And then the next day when we're going through film on whatever team, or even on our own team, um, it was definitely, it was definitely simplified right now. I obviously can't speak on behalf of other positions, but there was definitely like position specific stuff for the left sides. Right. So like we would, we would go through uh, 20 minutes of just film on us hitting pipe or just 20 minutes of us hitting or uh, passing floats there. passing spins there. hitting out of system balls on the left, hitting out system balls on the right. And like, you would just be like, okay, this here, like uh, look what happened. Your elbow dropped here. That's why you got blocked or you're early here. You have no power. Right. So it was like the guy had every little thing you've ever done in the two months of training that we had. And it was like, okay, well, good luck. Now go, I've given you everything that you could possibly <laughs> ask for. And then you go into film for a team and it's like, okay, this guy hits 87.4% of his balls here. So we're just going to stick Justin Louie, who nothing can get by that guy anyways. We're just going to stick him there and he's going to dig every ball to hit. The rest of the balls go here. So stand there and we can just shift our defense, shift our block, shift everything to adapt to that and it was just insane because playing for I don't I don't know about other clubs playing for Barry like we didn't game plan like we just went out it was just alright fast well down you're gonna set the ball let's try and get some kills and win <laughs> and, like we didn't game plan or anything like that mainly because like we we practiced twice a week right like it wasn't like those other teams that are in three times a week plus training and stuff like that it was just yeah go out have fun try and win yeah. For me, it was a big shock, but they—they uh, they definitely simplified it for all of us to make it a lot more bearable.
0: Nice. And to kind of jump to the final, not to skip over a thing, but jump to the final. So you're at Canada games. Maybe you're allowed to talk to girls. Maybe you're doing pin trading, but uh, the the volleyball events, like you're playing at the university's court. So I imagine there's a pretty good crowd there and you're playing Alberta and man, I'm a fan of a lot of those Alberta guys. Like I think Jesse Elser was there, but they like Canuck has been good for a while. Fogs always seem to be good. So they must have had a really good squad and to top it off, you know, they dye their hair blonde. They got a little bit of swagger. So you're going into that match. Like, how did you feel? Did you feel like, Oh, we need to do it front. Ontario where the drought continues? Are we just so excited to be like, there are so many people here and we're playing a-, a bunch of guys who think they're too cool. Like I'm excited. I'm fired up for this game. Oh
1: man. There we, so we, we played Alberta once already in cool play. Um, but going into the finals, I remember like changing and warming up and going through all our stuff and then walking out of the dressing room to kind of like, um, the corner where you can, you come out beside the stands and then you can see the court. And I remember they it was at uh, uh, Manitoba. So they had both set of bleachers down in was center court. And Manitoba women were playing in the finals. And I remember I walked out and I i think, I don't know who was beside me, but whoever it was, I couldn't hear them speak like <laughs> two feet away. Like it was just so loud, so many people. And I just remember looking out like, oh my God, like this is terrified so i was like whatever like it is what it is go back into the change room come back out and then from there it was just excitement but uh i actually i never went to nationals with barry so everyone's talking about like uh jesse elser and matthias elser and uh, all these guys and i'm like (laughs) who <laughs> i I don't know who you're talking about and then obviously like you play them and you're like oh my god these guys are unbelievable players but going in like people are talking about different guys and like saying their names I'm saying there I'm like I could not tell you who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like you're you just saying two random names and acting like it's uh, something I should know so it was pretty funny going into literally every single game blind because I had never played outside of Ontario I played my number my the number of like sanctioned OVA events and then my provincials. And that was my club career every year for 14U to 18U and then team O. So it, it was funny to me for that reason. But I think because of that, I, I didn't really care who we were playing. At the end of the day, I didn't know who they were regardless of if it was UBC or sorry, uh, team BC or team Alberta
0: or whoever it was. That's awesome, man. That's gotta be a little bit helpful versus like, i don't want to single out and i'm sure there's guys on your team being like oh i played that guy at nationals or i was on that guy's youth national team or i know this guy or did you see that guy on instagram versus you're just like who (laughs) like so that that's got to be a pretty good feeling to play free and and just go out and do your thing versus like you you can almost uh give yourself a little bit of stress just by be like oh i have to hit against this guy all night like that's gonna be so difficult versus you just making your shots and following the game plan right yeah
1: yeah no it was was funny listening to the guys in the change room before talking about so and so and this that and the other thing, and I'm like, nice. <laughs> Rock on, man.
0: <laughs> well, sweet man, in doing some research for the show, part of your journey, I'm trying to figure out: Did you go to FTC before you went to Brock? Like, were you in part of the Gatno group at all?
1: No, no. So I never, I never um, did the FTC thing. There's a guy on my team, uh, Sully Lianga. Oh, he, okay. He went to FTC before. And then now he's at Brock with
0: us. So what was a part of uh, your recruiting process? Like you're a Timo guy, you're a Canada games guy. Like, uh, how, how far along in your club career did you start looking at at universities and who, who did you visit? What coaches did you talk to? Did you ever consider leaving the province or were you going to be an OUA guy the whole time? Like, what was your whole process about committing to Brock? Yeah.
1: Um, so I guess first was Nipissing. And at that time, like I was kind of, I think I was great a lot when I was like, why are you talking to me? Like, I'm not good enough to make a university team. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm comparing myself to guys like Andrew Tocke, and right. Who I'm just like, that guy is so much better than me. Like, why are you wasting your time on me? Obviously I was flattered, but I was like, there's no way anyone would want me. And then fast forward, I make Timo and I start getting more offers from more schools. But uh, in all honesty, I didn't actually, I didn't like, I had no West schools talk to me um in my 18 year at the florida tournament i had a couple of ncaa schools uh reach out to me but at that time i had already committed um and it was funny because i think they all thought i was uh, a year a year younger because they had never seen me at any nationals event or any u.s tournaments so they were like oh like he must be a younger guy because we've never seen him before but i was like yeah no i just played for barry we just do our own thing up there. <laughs> but, um, and then as for Brock, um, I wanted kinesiology. Um, and then, so I was between York, Brock, and Nipissing just for a variety of reasons. But um, I had a, a childhood friend of mine who was at Brock at the time, who uh, was on the team as well. And as uh, I, I came down on my recruiting trip to Brock and I stayed the night with him. And so I met a bunch of the guys, I uh, hung out with them. Um, so I got to go, I got to know a good, good chunk of them and they were all really good guys. And so as soon as, as soon as I realized just like the, the team dynamic they had wasn't kind of like stage, you know, like, oh, we're bring a recruit in, everyone be on your best behavior. You know, like it was after hours, it was just people doing their own thing and everyone was really nice, really fun. And I was like, yeah, like I, I want to be, I want to be part of a team that, genuinely cares and likes each other over a team that is just there to win games right cuz at the end of the day like university volleyball you're you're there to get your education and play volleyball but for me it was more important who i was with and who i who i got to you know share my career with so for me like Brock made me feel by far the most welcome and they were they just seemed like the, the best group of guys that i could have been with
0: Yeah, for sure. No, that's good to hear, because when I was at the OVA, it wasn't a big deal to just go at provincials, maybe if you had some free time or if you weren't working and, and stand by some OUA coaches. And it's definitely revisionist history at this time, and I don't think anyone would admit it. But with you, Sully, and I think Ethan from your Canada Games team, all Brock guys and a bunch of OUA coaches like why, why are they going to Brock? Like they thought that was like a short sighted decision. Like the team had just yeah. kind of come back like, oh, they're, they're, they're not going to develop there. Like this is going to cost them time with the national team or it might cost them pro. And I was like, it's a pretty negative attitude, but like the proof was in the pudding too. Like Brock was a brand new team. It wasn't that competitive. So like I said, revisionist history now with how you guys are tearing it up. But did you ever get a sense of that? Or because your recruiting process, you said, I want to play with good guys. I want to study my program. Like I want to graduate with what I need to like, it, was there a certain point that it clicked? You're like, man, we're, we're going to be competitive. And we're going to be right up there with the top teams
1: um for my first few years absolutely not <laughs> like to be completely honest like we you know we we had a great group of guys who you know I'm, I'm still to this day good friends with a lot of the guys who have left the team and then obviously the guys who are still here but um no like there was most years going in so you kind of look to your roster and you look at like McMaster and Queen, you know like U of T and you're like okay like Yeah, like a a medal or making playoffs isn't really in the cards. Um, And then once uh, Matt Regonia took over and, you know, he started recruiting guys like Grant Redden, uh, Nanla Youssef, right? Like once those guys who, you know, they were, they had good names in the club um, area and then they're starting to come. And then the next year, Jacob Ferland, Kyler Covenal, and Shaka, like provincial team guys that are all of a sudden coming to Brock. You know, I, I remember talking to a couple of the guys I was in my first year with who were on the team and were like, we're, we're actually, like, good this year. <laughs> like, We have a shot at, like, actually, like, making playoffs and maybe pushing someone. And that year we we went to playoffs. We beat uh, Western in our, our final game of the season, and it was winner goes to playoffs. And we beat them at Western. Uh, made playoffs, went and played U of T and lost in four but like everyone played out of their minds. We almost, we almost took the fourth off them after taking the third. And like, we were so close to pushing to a fifth and wasn't in the cards that that team was also unbelievable with guys like Chris Tao, uh Jay Fakes. But no, like it, once, once we kind of started getting those guys in uh, all, everyone on the team was like, we actually are starting with the other team that had a shot at making a run. And then you look at what our team's done this year, right? Like, I think that speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and don't get me wrong. Brock has had some successful varsity programs like the different sports, but I don't know if it's been labeled uh, a volleyball program, but I'm, I'm glad you brought up your coach Matthew's name. And when Steve Delaney, friend of the show, took over the women's program. Now it looks like as far as having a men's and women's program, you guys are, are one of the top in the league. Like, do you get a sense there that, um, you guys are a volleyball school now, or at least you're starting to be looked at a little bit more. Cause I, I think Matt and some other people have done a good job that you guys host club tournaments. You get kids on campus. They can check the standings. They can see what Brock's doing that. It it seems like both programs are definitely having success where five, 10 years ago, that wasn't the case, right? Like the men's team didn't even exist 10 years ago.
1: I have nothing but the highest of praise for Matt Regonia. Um, you know, he, he literally came in and in his first year, he took a team playoffs. Right. And like you look at our roster and it was the exact same roster as it was exact same starting lineup as the year before when we, I don't know what place we finished, but didn't make playoffs. Right. Um, Granted, like there's also other factors, you know, you have guys leaving and whatnot, but uh, no, like Matt's Matt's preparation for games, his volleyball IQ, all of that has definitely helped me a lot in a lot of different facets of the game. And then also with Steve, like um, before Matt was a head coach, we had Doug Haynes, like Steve Delaney would meet with me after a game weekend Monday before his woman's practice and he would run through film with me and he would just be like, hey, like, look at this here, look at this here, like you need to start changing and stuff And I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Take that, go into practice. And then we would film our practice. So I would watch, oh, like I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And so I had Steve before I had Matt and now I have Matt and uh it like from a coaching perspective the, the team's just gonna keep getting better, right? Especially with Matt now in the Canada Games and he's just constantly like doing things to make himself a better and better coach, which is really awesome for the program. It sucks for me because we're getting very good and I have to leave now, but <laughs> you know, it's it's exciting for the future of Brock for sure for the Brock volleyball
0: program. Definitely. Definitely. And you mentioned the success you guys are having this year. One thing I wanted to dive in on is you talked about facing this a little bit in club where you would be like keyed in on where you'd be the guy like the other team would make like a I know it's a club tournament. You got to play five or six games. So like they would make like a 15 minute talk about how they're going to do against you. But now that you're playing at the OUA level and for sure other teams are talking about it, but you're still getting your volume. You're still getting your kills. your hitting percentage. Like, does anything change in your prep? Like, are you are you still the, the kid who was in a Canada Games final just playing free, not caring who's across the net from you? Or how do you, like, prepare and know that, like, if you play well, your team's probably going to do well and you're going to win? Or if you don't play well, the other team is going to have a lot of success because that's their whole plan is to stop or slow you down.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that definitely, I think, was the case in past years. But I, I can honestly say I don't, I don't think that's the case this year. You know, like, you look at our last Windsor game, and I think I had... 12 kills in four sets and hit like a two fifty something. I can't think of exactly what it was. Right. But like I had 12 kills in four sets, which compared to like my past games is not that much. Right. And the volume, like the first two sets I got, I did really well. Third and fourth, like I just wasn't getting the ball. And right. And that was kudos to our setter grant. Right. Like he was, he looked at me. He's like, dude, like the middle's just going. He's like, as soon as the ball's in my hands, I'm watching them just exit and go block you. I told him, I was like, well, like you're a smart guy. Like, go to our right side, right? And then our right side, Kyler Cote, like the kid put balls away, right? So I think it, it was, that game for me was probably my favorite this year. One, because we beat Windsor twice in the never beating them in my career. But two, it was, was kind of like one of the first times where I didn't have the best game of my life by any means, but the guys around me all stepped up and played really good volleyball and we won because of that. Right, you look at um, guys. Our uh, first-year middle Jacob Berland, and uh, uh, one of the guys I came in with as a rookie, Chris Chapman. Who I think they both. Combined, I don't even remember their stats, but they both hit like over five hundred, with combining for like twelve kills or fifteen points or something like that. Right, like it's it. It was cool because I didn't have to. I didn't have to be the guy. Right, like I could just go hang out on the left side and distract the uh, the other team, for lack of a better term, and let the other guys go to town and pick apart Windsor. So I think now teams, after watching that game, I think teams can be like, okay, well, it's not just the stop Logan, we win show. It's the how can we manage Logan, Jacob Berlin, Chris Chapman, Dean Glabaki, and Kyler Code, right? Like it, it, it's now it's a full team of five weapons coming at you at, at any given time
0: now do you feel like you've had that in your game your your whole career and the reason I ask you you're you're saying a lot of great things and I'm nodding my head but you're also a a young man who wants to get kills and I'm sure wants to enjoy the part of volleyball where you're moving fast you're jumping high you're hammering balls so when did you kind of learn this appreciation just because you went through some Brock years and the team wasn't winning and now that you are winning you're like I can appreciate and I can contribute like what is your leadership style with the other guys are you pointing out that when the middle gets a one-on-one like you appreciate that guy or like how are these conversations having because it sounds like it's well thought out and this is, might be off the top of your head but i i am curious how this shows up in practice or in the team room like uh, like i said like it's fun to get 30 kills a match which you probably could be doing but it's also fun to win games and it seems like you're okay getting 12 kills and winning so uh, how has this developed in your career and how do you show this appreciation to your teammates
1: um i mean my first my first couple of years uh, at brock i would i remember like there would be stat lines where it would be like 54 attempts in four sets and I was like, uh, I would go in Monday workout and I would look at our strength coach. I was like, Dave, man, like, I I can't, I can't work out today. Like I'm in so much pain right now. Right. And then I ended up having uh, some pretty serious back issues in my first couple of years as a result of just the load I was uh, being given. Um, so now it's like, I, I don't have, I don't have to do it. Right. I, if, I, if I don't have to put up 30 kills on 60 attempts and four sets, like I don't want to. Mainly because I know that, one, I am not a machine. I can't jump and swing as hard as I can 60 times. Like, it's just not going to happen. I'm going to get blocked. I'm going to start making errors, right? So if I can half my volume, be more fresh, I'm going to score more efficiently, which at this point in my career, I care significantly more about. And at the same time, like, I would happily sacrifice stats for wins, Right, like I, my my goal this year is not to lead the league in kills or lead the league in kills per set. Like I really don't care about that. I want I want to walk away this year with an OUA medal around my neck and have a a flight to um, Manitoba booked with the guys. And then as for practice, I don't even really know how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think our, te- our teams got a lot of characters on it. i think that kind of comes out when we play but also when we practice and it's a group of guys where you know everyone like one guy's success is everyone's success right so like we when we had um chris chapman fill in for an injury and i remember the guy got i want to say five five blocks in one set And he got Ethan Califf, made an insane dig. We chased it, brought it back, free ball over. Chris got a big block to end the set, and we won the set off that. Right? Like, as soon as that happened, like, everyone on the bench sprinted out to Chris, and, like, everyone was giving him a hug and so excited for him. Right? Because it's like, it's, sure, we won the set, but it's like, Chris just made these five unbelievable plays, and everyone is so happy for him because he also just got the team set. So it's just Everyone's just so happy for each other, so it makes—I don't want to call it sacrificing stats, but for lack of a better term, sacrificing stats isn't isn't an issue that I would ever have.
0: Now with your game, like if my partner crying from sharp cuts was here, one thing that Garrett and I absolutely hate about the OUA is the pendulum has swung way too far that there's a lot of ball management going on. And if somebody sees a triple block, they're going to try to tip or they're going to roll or, Oh, take out the center. It seems to be like common language. It's even trickled down to the club world. Don't get me wrong. That tactic belongs in our sport. But as soon as a rally started, and if coincidentally both teams have their P2 in the front row, it's just going to be a super long rally and tips and let your defense get the point where, I don't always see that from Brock and I definitely don't see that from you. So I'm hearing you talk about your hitting efficiency, but you're also not afraid to go up and take a a chop against a triple block sometimes. So how do you manage those moments where you just mentioned, I do care about my hitting efficient and I want to be an efficient player, but you're also not, Oh, there's a triple block. I'm just going to tip it to the pot right now. Like how do you work on your shot choice and when it's time to be aggressive or when it is time to concede to continue and play defense?
1: Yeah, I I'm I, funny you mentioned that because I remember uh, I listened to the the one in the same gross year <laughs> and I was laughing because I was listening to you guys talk about that. I, know, I talked to my setter because we were, we were just, we were both laughing about that. But um, so it's funny you mentioned. I think for me, like at the end of the day, I, I personally don't think that tips are going to score me the ball when I'm facing a triple block, right? Like at the end of the day, like odds are the ball is going to be probably a little bit out of my ideal spot. And as soon as, soon as there's a triple block, I know that the setter, the right side, is just waiting to come up and pick that tip up. So I personally, I just think it's it's not a shot that's going to score. If I have to, sure, I'll do it so that I can give our team a chance. But uh, part, of, part of our team's, I guess, philosophy is uh, really a focus on second contact and giving our attackers a good high ball to go swing on. And as a result, like we, we do give good high balls to both pins. And as a result, we can swing on. And I think when you have a team that for the majority of the time is going to give you a good high ball set, I think it's silly not to go up and rip on, especially when you're playing as high as a lot of the guys in the OUA are playing, right? Like for the most part, when I'm hitting, there's a decent chance that I'm going to have a good height advantage on the block. Right. So as long as I'm just swinging deep, or swinging for that to the outside hands of the outside blockers, like I, my chance to score is going to be way better than tipping a ball at the right side or setter and letting them set a high ball to Sam Cooper, who's touching over twelve feet and is just going to bounce the thing on us, anyways. So I think for me, like I'll take my chances with getting blocked or making them make a really nice dig over setting a putting over a routine high ball where somebody comes in and gives a freak athlete a ball that he's just going to destroy on us.
0: Definitely, I, I'm glad the pendulum's starting to swing the other way. Where you mentioned like other teams are just in system right away when you do that, and it's it just makes for boring volleyball too. I like guys having really aggressive swings, and I, I don't mind seeing a triple block every now and then too. Plus,
1: when you when you get blocked big, everyone gets excited. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I just do it so that I can get the fans into it.
0: Exactly, when you hit as hard as you do, and you do get blocked, it is going to be a bit of a show, right?
1: <laughs> exactly, it's, it's all about putting a show on for the people. You know, I do. I get blocked for that. Not because I'm making a
0: mistake. <laughs> that's how I see it, too. And we thank you for that, too. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. And I'm glad earlier uh, you mentioned watching video, whether it's with Matt now or with Steve Delaney helping out. But I'm curious how your own learning has happened, because uh, as a club player, you thought like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of a guy. And then you turned into really good and now you're still learning. But. Uh, I think sometimes high performers, you watch video right before practice and you want to go apply it and maybe it's not clicking. Like, do you kind of give yourself a leash sometimes about, oh, I'm working on this footwork or I'm working on passing floats and I want to be in this stance? Like whatever it might be, like, do you give yourself a little bit of time or are you pretty demanding that you're going to get frustrated in training? Because it's it's not as simple as watching five or six clips and going, oh, I need to fix this and then go and, and you're perfect at it, right? So uh, how is your learning? Have you taken a journal? Do you watch more video after two to kind of see that you're progressing or how have you managed that? Like, Oh, this is a gap for me. And, and how long do you get to close it?
1: I mean, for, for people who know me, I'm I'm a pretty laid back guy. You know, I, I like to have my fun. I like to goof around. Um, so, and and that doesn't really change in practice for me. Like, you know, when we're in a drill, it's, it's drill time, but you know, if we're going for water or messing around, make jokes, whatever. So I've always been pretty laid back with like, a, I guess for a, a timeline, so, you know, like um, we have uh, a new assistant coach who's been uh, he's been helping me a lot. I don't know. I'm going to butcher his last name. It's like Rob. Some, I don't even know. I'm not <laughs> even trying. Some Polish last name. He, he played pro for a whole bunch of years in Europe. And so he's come in and really helped me with a lot of uh, more like tactical and technical stuff. And I remember, I forget what exactly it was, but I was working on something and I looked up. And I just said, man, I feel like I am a 15U volleyball player who just sucks again. And I was like, I was frustrated. And I was like, I am terrible at this game. I'm so bad, like just frustrated. And then he laughs at me. I go get water. And it's like, okay, I'm over that. Lock back in. Like, let's, let's work on this skill. You know, like, okay, I'm, I'm attacking. What do I need to do here? I need to, whatever. And then just go right back to focusing. Mm-hmm. And I probably mess it up another hundred times. And then yell at Rob again for making me feel like I suck. (laughs) But at the end of the day, like it's a sport, right? And you're never going to master, never going to master passing. You're never going to master your serve. Like you're going to miss, you're going to shank balls. So for me, like, I think making a joke out of it is kind of the easiest thing for me to get away with that frustration. It's, you know, let it out. Like, Oh, this sucks. I'm bad at volleyball. And it's like, okay you had your little temper tantrum let's reel it back in and then get back to uh, trying to improve so yeah i
0: definitely give myself a nice nice and for our listeners oh i'm gonna butcher too wojcik Woj- there's got to be a, a a nice polish accent in there to pronounce it but uh, they might recognize rob wojcik uh, when he played with ryerson or i think he was a year at yeah. u of a and like you said played a bunch of years pro so it's good to add him to we're going as a coaching staff there uh so with everything you guys have got going on with brock uh, I'm curious as an upperclassman, uh, is there any pressure for you to kind of get it done this year? Like, are you, I, I know you mentioned you're laid back and you like to goof off, but are you the one who kind of snaps back the rooks or the underclassmen when it is game time to zero in? Because like, are, are you feeling like, oh, th- this is it. And, I, and I've I've had to set, sit through COVID and I've done all these things that like, you want to really bank in it. Or are you still finding joy coming to the gym every day and, and knowing that you guys are pretty good and you're going to get it done and you don't need to put in like, this this extra expectation or pressure just because it's your last year.
1: Yeah, no, I'm definitely not uh, like snapping at people or anything like that. You know, at the end of the day, I think people people prepare like for, for game prep. You know, people prepare in different ways. You know, I uh there's guys like uh off the top of my head, Chris who, you know, he's very focused, he's serious, he's don't talk to me, I need to get in the zone. And then I have a guy like uh Sully Leonga on my team who's goofing around, making jokes just staying loose. And I think everyone has their own way of preparing and getting to the point where they're ready to play. So I think for me, for me to like snap someone because they're not doing, they're not preparing how I prepare or how I think they should prepare, I don't think I have the right, no matter what year I'm in. Um and then practice, I'm also under the belief that like if if you don't want to try, then don't try. But when you get put on the bench because you're not trying and someone else is, who's been working very hard is now ahead of you, like, don't come complaining to me. You know, so I'm very like, you know, do your thing. But at the end of the day, if you're not putting the team first, like, that's on you. So don't don't expect any remorse from me if if you if you get surpassed on the death chart or something like that. Because at the end of the day, on an OUA team, there's a lot of guys who would give a lot to be on the court. And there's a lot of guys who can be on the court and compete at a high level. So yeah, I'm definitely still laid back and not feeling very much pressure.
0: Nice. And how far do you guys look ahead? I'm trying to look up the regulations and I think this year, the OUA will get the champion. And then I think you get two assigned bursts or wild cards, however you want to say it. Like, are you guys looking ahead saying, you know, what? we don't have to be perfect. We want to be playing our best ball at national. So if we make a final four and we do well, like if we close out the end of the season, we'll have a shot versus, uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago where the OUA only had that one bid and you had to take care of business for a chance to go to nationals. So does that help it in the planning or prep or, or even just uh, understanding the pressure that really it, it's a peak for March right now for you guys, even as well as you guys are playing right now, you still have time to get better. And work out some kinks before the end of the year, right?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, as far as from like coaches down, um, Matt, Matt is very much you know handle handle what's in front of you, right? You know, like we we're not with Matt, we're not looking ahead to playoffs too much, and you know preparing for Windsor or Western or Guelph or Waterloo, whoever we have in that first round matchup. You know, Matt Matt's like, okay, you know, we have Waterloo three times. Let's focus on this. Let's get through these games. Let's try and finish the year nine and two. And then once that happens, we'll deal with what's in front of us then. But I mean, as for the guys, you know, we're 22, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 year old guys who all want to win a medal. Like the the conversation definitely happens about uh, what needs to happen for us to get a medal and who we are going to probably play. You know, you have, all the guys who worked out exactly what's probably going to transpire and who we're going to have a matchup with. And, you know, if we have Mac in the semis and we win, then we're guaranteed in, or if we lose, then we're probably going to have so-and-so in the bronze. And, you know, that's a winnable game. So there's definitely two sides of it, but I know everyone's still pretty focused on the regular season and getting through that with as many wins as we can, just to try to lock up that second position.
0: And, And with all the stoppages you've gone through, just with your age group and everything that's happened, how excited were you when there was another team there and there was a ref and you guys were going to get to play again? Like, it seems like there was a lot of stop and starts and you guys must have been pretty patient. But as soon as the season was confirmed and you saw a team across from you, like, was that just like you were so fired up just to, like, feel like it was real again?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it was... There was definitely a lot of pent-up energy that first game. We like, had <laughs> first, uh first game of the year. And I know, like, everyone was just buzzing to be back on the court playing an OUA game. And, you know, like, we look at, like, the young guys, like our first and second years who – our first years especially, they had, what, 17U, 18U, and their first year pretty much stripped from them. Our second years didn't have an 18U or a first year of university. So I I feel worse for those guys than anyone else. You know, like, I had had a a few years of university where I got the whole experience of – school in person with volleyball and whatnot like, whereas you know like we have rookies come in and they have they haven't even spent a year on campus right like our, our first years this year have spent more time on campus than our second years have right total because the res- residences were closed so you know like so many guys missed out on that opportunity of having school and playing volleyball so when when it came time to actually like buckle down and play a game like I don't think I've ever heard so much screaming from a guy's changer before a game. <laughs> like, it was pretty
0: funny. Now, one ripple effect of the OUA having a pause there uh, right around the holiday break and coming back is like you said, you have Waterloo three times. You played uh Windsor in a back-to-back, like, does that just add an extra layer of like a little bit of cat and mouse where in the OUA schedule, sometimes as you play somebody first semester and you play them second semester. Now it's like bang, bang, bang in a row. Like, do you feel that you have to change your game or that you can really understand somebody across the net in, in situations like, does this help the scouting or is it just kind of added like that cat and mouse back and forth thing for everybody? Because like three times versus Waterloo, all meaningful matches, like there's going to be a lot of data where maybe it comes down to execution or maybe it comes down to who has the better plan.
1: Yeah, I I personally am a fan of it. Like, you know, um, I think Windsor did a really good job. You know, they came in and I had an amazing game at Windsor. um, And they came in and they adapted really well and they shut me down pretty good. But then we adapted and other guys stepped up. But I think it's cool because, you know, you can have one game plan and, you know, you have seven layers of that game plan and you kind of go from there. You know, you can go into a game versus Mac or a game versus Windsor and you're like, this is what we're doing. And then all of a sudden, something new happens and you're like, okay, well, we lost. And this guy did something that we couldn't stop. Okay, well, now we can change this, change that. And now we've adapted to that. So I think it's cool from a game planning perspective. It's also like practice that game plan for the whole week. And now you're a lot more confident. Where like In the past, for me at least, we would have like a Western Windsor weekend. And you'd be like, okay, well, we play Western Friday, so we're practicing our Western game plan uh, for most of the week. And then it's like, well, we have Windsor. Well, I guess I guess we should sprinkle in a little bit of our <laughs> Windsor game plan here. you know, like, all right, well, this is kind of pointless. Like, we might as well just prepare for Western and then just talk about a game plan for Windsor because we're not spending any time on it. It's not even meaningful. So, I think as far as like game planning and practice go, I think it, I think it's a lot better. You know, the, the game plan is actually a lot more meaningful. You got. Put it into
0: practice. Nice man, that's awesome. Well, best of luck. Keep it going with what you've got going with Brock. I'm excited for OUA playoffs and U Sports playoffs. I've, I've taken a lot of your time today, but uh, one tradition we built into the show is just to tell a, a funny or unique story. So we, we've heard about your career. We, we heard about you being a pretty fun-loving guy. I was hoping with the volleyball community being full of so many characters that you have a funny or unique story. You can let us know before we let you go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my first year. Uh, it was move-in day and um, at Brock, the uh, the whole team will come into your car and, you know, every single guy is like grabbing your bags and moving them into your residence room. So my parents, my parents, my sister and I are all there and the guys are all moving my stuff into my room and then the guys all leave to go help, uh, I think, one of the other rookies who was coming in with me and then my parents took off because my dad's family was local. So it was just me and I'm unpacking all my stuff. And I hear a knock at my door, and I'm like, I haven't even been in residence for an hour. Like, what could this possibly be? So I open the door, and there's some guy there, and he's like, hey, man, like, can I move in? Uh, I got kicked out of my residence already, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? I, like, I haven't even been here for an hour. Like, how have you already gotten kicked out? So I'm like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm trying not to be rude to the guy. I'm like, I've been on campus for an hour. I don't need to getting a fight in my first hour of university so i'm like i'm trying to be polite to the guy and tell him like no sorry like our house is full there's no room blah blah, blah. and so but like the guy walks away and i close the door and i was like man that was so weird and probably like three days later i get my phone just blowing up and everyone's like oh, go to this youtube link go to this youtube link skip to this time and i go and Sure enough, the guy who came up to my door, knocked on my door, he's a YouTuber who's now pretty famous with, uh, I don't know if you know who like the melt boys are. A
0: little over my head, but I'm sure our listeners yeah. know who they are, okay.
1: yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> these guys are huge YouTube prank guys now, and sure enough, it was this guy pranking me, trying to move into my residence building, and I, I don't know how many views the, the video has, but it is... It's a lot of you, so I think everybody from Brock for probably the first four months of my university career would be like, "Oh my god, you were on milk, man!" Like, that's so funny. I just, I was like, "Of course." First hour of university, and this has to happen to me. But it was embarrassing at the time, but looking back, it was it was pretty funny. It gave uh, it gave all the guys on the team a good laugh at me for a good chunk
0: of time. i'm glad you restrained yourself enough that when i was trying to do research for the show that that wasn't the first thing that popped up and i see you getting into <laughs> scrap on youtube with some random guy <laughs> like, yeah yeah that
1: that wouldn't have been a, that would not have been a good
0: luck for sure <laughs> Well, Logan, this has been awesome, man. I've been a fan of your game. It was good to finally meet you and talk to you about your career. So thanks so much for everything that you shared and best of luck with everything you got going. And we'll have to get you back on because I'm sure national team are pros in the future and we got some more stories to tell. So, but for today, I think we're good. So thanks for coming on.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me.